Not too bad. I can't complain. Regular guest. I like that now. It's <laughs> we're getting there. I like it. <laughs> okay. First things first. We will not be playing Europa League football this season. That has to get a cheer. That's the best thing that's happened to us in about four years. <laughs> yeah. That Europa League theme tune can just get in the bin. I just I'm, I just hope to never have to hear it ever again. Yeah, no matter what happens between now and May, we will not be getting a theme tune out of so that's always a plus. So, uh, first order, order of business is Michael Carrick's first game as caretaker manager, which resulted in a, a 2-0 win against Villarreal. Um, to be honest, for 77 minutes, it was crap. Um, yes. The goal came as a result of Fred pressing, and uh, Ronaldo you know, took, took the opportunity. And then... Basically, Villarreal had to open up and that gave us plenty of chances on the counter-attack and we managed to get another goal and could have had another couple. So, what was your thoughts on the game overall then? It was was a weird... um, weird game to analyse because it was exactly the same as it was the last time. Like, it was no different. Like, Carrick being in a suit opposed to a tracksuit was pretty much the only difference. And Ollie wasn't there. Like, we played the same style of football. It was really boring up until a few free kicks were hit. Like, I think Tellez had a corner that was decent, maybe a free kick that was decent. But other than that, it was kind of the same football that we had. Like, Sancho, I think, had a chance at like the 70th minute. Again, it was boring until that. Like, it was, it was an okay game, but we got the win, and that's what really matters. I just sounded like I was getting interviewed on BT Sport there. As one of the United players, that that's just the way I said that. <laughs> yeah, because they're usually quite mundane. <laughs> the man has the personality of a toad; like it's just nothing. <laughs> okay, um, it wasn't the greatest performance, but um, uh, the result was all that matters because it, it helped to get us through, and we're with top of the group as well as a result of mm-hmm. Atlanta and Young Boys drawing in the other game. And as you say there, it was much like a salt score win that we've seen so many times where we've we sat back and took up the pressure. The game makes a few CUs and then we catch the other team on the counter-attack. And mm-hmm. it seems as if Carrick deliberately you know, tried to keep it tight, keep it safe, not concede a goal, and then bring on Rashford and Fernandez off the bench. Um, and it worked. But, I mean... It's not going to work at every game. No, it was uh, it was noticeably a different, slightly different system with a four three three. But um, other than that, it was pretty much the same the same game plan. We were outpassed. Uh, Villarreal had five hundred and twenty passes. We had four ninety three. But we tend to not really outpass our opponents like ever. We tend to just counter attack and let them do what they want. We've done it against City in the past, and we've done it against Liverpool in the past, and it's worked. Not this season, but we have. Yeah, what we really need going forward, and I'm sure we'll discuss it later, is is manager if he's going to help us. Don't we have possession in games, control games. Uh, I know it's going to be difficult with uh, our midfield options are not fantastic uh, at the moment, and um, certainly the defensive midfield, but we'll, we'll come on to that later. Um, another positive from last night is Jim Sancho. 
scoring his first goal for Man United. And overall, I think he was my man of the match. Would you agree with that? Um, he's definitely up there in terms of the, the top players on the pitch. I think Foyth from Villarreal had a really, really good game. In terms of our best player, Sancho's probably fair. You chuck Ronaldo in there because he, he scored and had a, a chance for a second. Um, but definitely, definitely an, uh, an option. David De Gea again is he's always a candidate for man of the match, and that's, mm. that's never a good thing. But once again, he he made a couple of saves that were you know, easy enough for a man of his caliber, but one of them was completely world class, wasn't it? It's it's just the hair. Like I don't even know what to say anymore. Like the guy. I can't even remember who. I think it might have been Stephen Housen that said the phrase was like, "The hair is great when we're bad, and bad when we're great." So I'm kind of like, "Do I want them playing well?" Or because he played unbelievable last night, he played really good in the Watford game, most of it. But like, it, it's just another performance from David de Gea's, you know, highlight rate. I wonder. Uh... Could he possibly, you know, play better when we're playing well? Is it a concentration thing? Is, does it suit him to be busy? Or possibly, I had thought that myself. I, I actually had that had come into my head. Yeah, because quite often the, the, the keepers at the top clubs, you know, they, they have to maintain the, the concentration because they go for long periods without having to do. And maybe that doesn't suit the game. I wasn't even thinking about that before the podcast started, but you. Now I've got that point in my head now, I'm wondering, uh, is that the case? It's a very, very strong point. Like, it does make a lot of sense. You'll see, uh, like, Neuer and stuff will have to play out of defence, so they're always brought into it. The head doesn't have the passing range to be passed back to, to be kept awake. So the only times he's ever have a really having to do anything is when somebody's attacking at him. And if it's not happening regularly, he will fall asleep. And now that you've pointed it out, it kind of does make sense. I do have to say, though, that his distribution has improved this season. It seems like something that he might have been working on. Which is right. Okay, he's not at the level of Michael Nor or Allison or anyone like that, but he's certain no. there is a noticeable improvement. Definitely, definitely. Uh, still, Henderson is probably still the better of the two in terms of distribution, but even then, we haven't seen that this season. It's only just kind of like a narrative everyone pushes. Um and it's kind of well thought of because that's what everyone tells you. Anyone that's inside the club tells you how good Henderson's passing is compared to De Gea's. Um, but we haven't really seen it from Henderson in the last what, year, even when he was playing last season. It wasn't magnificent. It wasn't up there with the best in the world. It was just good. Yeah, he, he was okay. I didn't see anything. There was a couple of balls up the pitch that led to goals from Henderson, but one that... And then a play against West Ham and the Moyes wins today. But uh, mm-hmm. other than that, it, it wasn't. He wasn't spectacular or noticeably brilliant with his feet. Yeah. Yeah. Not too sure. But, um, not too many other positive discussions from Obviously, Ronaldo scored a sixth Champions League goal in, in five matches. It's incredible. Um, the only complaint that I would have is that he scored more goals in Europe than he is in the Premier League. What do you yeah. think? It's Ronaldo. Like, uh, it's just Ronaldo. Like, there's literally no more else to say on it than that. It's We expect him to do that. The Champions League is his stage that he loves to be on. Yeah, he seems to be more up for Champions League games than Premier League. Mm. And I've seen he's not up for Premier League games. So there seems to be 
an extra fire in his belly when he's playing in the Champions League. It's his competition and he, he wants to add to his, his five medals. So, yeah, you'd have to question where did he come to Man United if he wanted to add another Champions League medal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's clearly desperate to, to not only win this competition again, but improve his stats. And I believe now that he is now one goal away from 800 career goals. Yep, seven ninety nine. He had four shots last night, so he could have done it last night. It's very close. Yeah, there was that chance where um, I think it wasn't an easy one where he, he was he tried to play it into the far corner, but uh, I think he was he was stretching and the keeper was in a good position, so it wasn't easy to to, to place it. But uh, he made a good effort from it. Uh, I think he had a header as well straight at the keeper, but. Uh, I mean, very, very good leap, just a, a per header. Yeah, his leaps are just the best that there's ever been. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, so he had one of those games where he was getting a bit frustrated, actually. He doesn't be seeing it. Halfway through the second half, because Villarreal uh, were dominating possession and he wasn't getting involved. Um, but as he, he's kind of goal, isn't he? So he, he got one chance uh, in the second half and he took it. And it was a brilliant finish as well, you know, with the spectacle, loving it over the keeper. As as much as I don't like to give Fred any sort of credit to anything, because I just don't like him as a player, it was what Fred does is press heavy. It just so happened that he kind of got lucky that it fell to Ronaldo and Ronaldo done what Ronaldo does. Um, it, 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 it was a beautiful finish. I think the one that he nearly dipped over the keeper would have been just unbelievable, but it was near impossible. Yeah, to be fair, I'm not Fred's biggest fan either, as no listeners of the podcast will know. <laughs> uh, but he, he made two. Both, and both, both goals, he made uh, tackles that led to him. And uh, also for the Sancho goal as well, the move started off with Fred, Fred winning the ball back. And so you have to give him you know, credit for that. But he's good at that. The problem is he's just not good enough on the ball to be a Manchester United midfielder. Hey, that that's what worries me about like the coaches and stuff that we're being linked to, um, is that a lot of them are ball players. Like in terms of they like tiki taka or vertical tiki taka, whatever style of play, they're passers. We don't have that, and that's what worries me about Fred. Is that's what happened under Ali, and it's the same with McTominay. Um, they both aren't amazing on the ball, but are both very good at different things off the ball. Well, you would expect that the new coach. It will, will be aware of this and you probably won't make a midfield signing in January if that's possible. Although you've got James Garner uh, and Dylan Levitt that are there. They're both very good um, passers of the ball. They're just both out on loan. I wonder would it, uh, well, you have to wonder if these coaches around Europe that are like with the job, uh, will they be aware? James Garner? I don't know. Um, if they are, is there a possibility of it being recalled in January? I think I might be the only person in the world that rates Dylan Levitt higher than him. I think when we had them both playing in pre-season, um, I think Levitt, just his passing range and his vision and his just comfortableness, or comfortableness, it's definitely not a word, his ability to be comfortable on the ball is just unbelievable that I've never seen from somebody who's never really been given a shot. He looked so comfortable in that midfield that it looked like he'd been playing there for five years when it was in reality probably what his fifth game 
starting or even if he came off the bench at halftime, it, it, it looked like he just was supposed to be there. And then he was sent out on loan to where I think he's a Dundee. Um, whilst with James Garner looked kind of scared when he played in midfield, but on at Forest he looks unbelievable, or at least he did look unbelievable. Yeah, I think Garner probably has a higher profile at this point in time. Which he's yeah, it's more likely to get a chance in the first team. Um, it's definitely higher, high, uh, higher rated by the media for sure. Yeah, that's one percent true. Um, on most of the fan base, I would say, but yeah, you've got a point. Uh, I think I think Laird's better than Delo. And I think he's better than Wambasaka going forward. And even his defensive capabilities are actually pretty solid. Um not on Wambasaka's level, but I think a bit of coaching, you could be talking something brilliant. You gotta think of um with the coaches we're being linked to, look at the fullbacks that they have and how they coach them. You look at Potch with Danny Rose, who was an attacking winger, um, turned him into a great fullback. Like he could do that with Ethan Laird. You could look at Eric Tenhag with guys like Tagliafico. Um it's definitely, definitely possible. Valverde with Jordi Alba. You've got anyone that's been like this has a great wing back slash fullback. Ethan Laird could definitely flourish. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm excited for him. Um, Solskjaer never really gave him a chance in the first team, but no. I could see a, a new coach, especially one who loves to you know, bringing him into the team. Because I, I'm sorry to say, as good a defender as you can be most of the time, Wabasaka. I think you need a bit more to your game than that you know, to play for a top club. When you see the fullbacks that Chelsea and Liverpool have got, Wambasaka just isn't going to cut the mustard long term. No, I, I really do like Wambasaka, but his ability going forward is just poor. It, it looked yesterday as if him and Sancho had fell out. Like, you know, when you play five aside with your mates and one of them's doing your head in before you get there and you're like, I'm not passing him. That's what it felt like. It felt like he didn't want him having any of the ball. It looked like the two of them hated each other and they just wanted nothing to do with it. It looked it just they looked lost. It probably uh, eases pressure in Wamasaka have a genuine right winger ahead of them rather than um, United relying on and with the come on the right hand side from on Wamasaka because you know we're just not capable of that. Um, so Santo being on the right is the right thing to do. You know, he played well against Watford on the right, you know, there were some really good crosses into the middle. One of the ones he had to find a big school. Um, and in the game last night, I think he had a decent game on the right. Um, so that's definitely the way forward. I mean, that's what he was signed for. And we've been weak on the, in that position for a very long time now. Um, I know he's capable of playing on the left, but that's our weak position. So use him on the right. And I think uh, that's his best position anyway. So from here on in, well, Jaden Sancho has to play on the right wing. I think with, with Jaden, his best spot is on that right-hand side, drifting inside with the ability to bounce off somebody who's going to be there for him. A Bruno Fernandez or a Donny would be perfect in that, and that they'll just sort of hold their space just outside the box and give Jaden someone to play one-twos with and just sort of run and create space or run and drift inside or 
whatever it is. He looked amazing at Dortmund when he had Hakimi bombing past him, um, overlapping with then somebody to play off on the inside. May that be with Jude Bellingham or whoever it, is, or it was before he left. Um, he just looked incredible with that. With Wan-Bissaka down that right-hand side, he's not going to overlap and take a defender with him. So Jane's not going to have that space to move. He's just going to have a one-two with somebody with still two players marking him and he'll have nowhere to go. If you get somebody with an attacking fullback, Ethan Laird, Delo, whoever it is, that'll take a player and move him away and give Jaden space to move, he'll be unbelievable on that right-hand side. Okay, I don't want to be brutal, but there's re- one of the reasons last night when we didn't concede as many chances against Real as we did in the home match was the fact that Dallow wasn't playing. I mean, yeah. he was getting roasted quite regularly at Old Trafford. Uh, it was... As Nick said before, it was one of the worst right back performances I've seen from a United player in 10 years. And probably since Gary Neville's final game as a United player. So, what was happening defensively is a noticeable improvement. And that's why another reason why I didn't see this last night. The low for me, he isn't good enough going forward to justify him being in the team. And defensively, he's, he's terrible. So, the combination of the two isn't enough to have him as a genuine you know, either starter or back off. Yeah. I think it would be best for him to go back to Milan or wherever he wants to go. Fair. I can't, I can't argue with that. Like, he was horrible in that first game. Um, I, I think Ethan Laird would have done a far better job. I, I just think we need someone going forward. I think Dello is definitely better than Wambasaka. Um, in terms of giving Jaden more time to roam, I think Dallow would be better, but in terms of defensively, Aaron Wamsak is clearly better. It's just depending on what you're wanting to do. If you're wanting to create those chances and attack more, I think Dallow's still a better option. Obviously, defensively, defensively still going to let it down. Yeah, I think defensively, he's so weak that you just can't afford to play him in any yeah. game. Maybe in the, the League Cup, I'm right about now. Okay, another... If you're wanting to, you want to stop pad Jaden, though, Dallow's a better option. <laughs> okay, He'll do that he's that by himself. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I wanted to discuss from last night is the Carrick moving down the week from the pivot into number 10. Uh, it was noticeable that he didn't play as well in that position as he did against Watford and Pivot. Now, part of that, part of the reason for that could have been that you know, Villarreal would dominate in possession. Um, when you're the number 10, you're not going to be in the game as much as you would be when you're playing the same part. Um, so I'd like to see him play number 10 maybe uh, in a game where United would be done in possession. But for the Chelsea match, I would go with, with Fernandez had an obvious impact from the bench as I expected him to. You know, he's got a point to prove because he has been playing well. Um, and he has had really good sub appearances in the past. Um, so against Chelsea, um, based on what I saw last night, I would like the, the pivot to be Fred, um, Domi, and then Fernandez number 10. Would, would you go along with that? That's probably fair. I think um, I definitely prefer Scott as a player, but on form at the moment, it's just unjustifiable to say McTominay over Fred. Um, so I'd have to say that's probably probably fair. Are you putting Fred and Donny as a double pivot? Yeah. Or are you putting Fred on a six on his own and letting Donny roam? You would say that Fred is the, the six and Donny has the eight. Um, but it would take a great manager to go along with that because obviously Schultz are like this, what, as he called it, a back six. Um, 
Now we're not Donny playing that position would obviously you know, be a change from that. Um, it would be braver, and that's what I want to see. See, I personally, I, I like the four-three-three that we played um, last night. With they had McTominay more as an eight with the box to box, and then Donny as a Roman playmaker. So he wasn't, he wasn't an eight. He wasn't a ten. He was just sort of like drifting between and giving the ability to free roam. Um, I think if we have that, but then take Scott off and go for Bruno instead, and having him as a ten, but still playing that sort of four-three-three. So let Bruno attack more. Let Donny roam free, and then Fred to cover and do all the hard work. Well, ideally, it would be somebody like Indeedy there that's going to hit unbelievable tackles and then just pass the ball. Fred's obviously not at that level, but of the options that we have, Fred is Fred's the best for that. So obviously, long term, you know, I, I do want you know, Fred playing in, in midfield, but you know, I have to go with what we got for now. Yeah. On all form, Fred is definitely playing better than McTominay, even though he's a bigger fan of McTominay. I I just I'm I think I might be McTominay's biggest fan because nobody seems to rate him. But um, based on current form, I couldn't even justify trying to stand this corner at the moment. Yeah, I think that penalty giveaway against Waterford kind of summed up how he's playing at the moment. Although Fernandez did play him in trouble. Mm. Pretty right. Um, so I want to give you this opportunity to uh, admit how wrong you were about Dak and Rice. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't do that. I was really hoping you wouldn't do this. Do you know, I, I have made a lot of ridiculous statements in football. The Declan Rice one is still the worst one I've ever made. I, I genuinely was like, he's just a, you know, West Ham version of Scott McTominay. Was the, I think the point that I made? I might be wrong. Yeah, I mean, he's having a fantastic season. I think he played well at the Euros, but I actually think he's gone up on other levels since then. Um, no, 100%. He's far better. Far, far better. He's scoring goals and everything. He's playing like a double pivot. Uh, check. Um, yeah, he's, he, he's an ideal player for United. He's exactly what we needed them at, I think. And, yeah, if we could get him. Um, him playing alongside Donnie in the field would be fantastic. And Bruno was number 10. That would be See, I think I still don't think he'd be the option. I still would rather somebody who's either... Um, a complete destroyer or someone who has I just I see him more box to box because that's what he's doing as you say scoring goals I see I see Declan Rice as more of a box to box I think we need somebody who's just going to sit and do the dirty work I think Wilfred and Dede's my guy for that uh, I just uh, sits there yeah so we need the same two midfielders maybe we do need Declan Rice and uh, uh, Kevin Fosher as well um, yeah, because Pogba's going to leave. Let's be honest. So there is going to be gaps to fill there. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I, know, I, can, I can hear the, the tears from the Vision United fans around the world. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? If he leaves, I wouldn't even care. Like, where is he going to go? PSG and win a league title? Ah, I'm so disappointed. Yeah, no, <laughs> there isn't even a big market for him anymore. Um, he should have went to Real Madrid, but he had Bill Zidane was there when he had the chance. Yeah. He should have. It's gone now, really. He, may, he will have options because he's going to be available on a free transfer. But no one would be willing to pay £100 million for him anymore. Nah. Nah. There's two players that if they left United that I just would be like, nah, I don't care. And if one of them's Pogba and the other one's Harry Maguire. I just couldn't care less if they left. Yeah, just on that, um, I think Harry Maguire 
needs to be stripped of the captain seat as soon as the new coach As soon as a new coach comes in, Maguire needs that captaincy taken off him. It needs to go to Ronaldo uh, or Bruno or, or, or De Gea for, for me. Yeah, I would, I'd be happy with either of them. Any of those guys get the captaincy. Just Maguire just isn't the leader of that dressing room. And just, no. And he's playing so badly as well. How is he meant to inspire anybody? Exactly. If, the, if that's your captain and you're like, but he's playing poor, so why should I try? Like, and that's all the fish smells from the head. If if he's playing poor, why is some random person coming up from the 23s going to the first team training and going, oh, look at who I've got to play with. I've got Ronaldo, Bruno. Oh, there's my captain. He doesn't care. Like, why Why would they care at all? I just don't get it. I assume what a kind of small mentality has one of the years when he scored against <sighs> Roy King got it spot on. Like, nobody... Nobody cares that Maguire scored against. Was it Tunisia or something? Who was it? Albania? Albania and Sunderland. Who cares? Like, who actually cares that Maguire scored? So he thinks that he can put in symbolic displays against their city um, yesterday. And then he thinks he's made up for that by scoring for England against Albania. United fans do not care about that. Um, I have some weird feeling that he's like, has a net in his back garden that he was just banging goals into in the back garden and still doing that celebration. And I'm like, because that, that's the same thing. Him scoring a goal in his back garden and copping his ears is exactly the same as scoring for England against Albania in terms of redeeming himself for his poor performances for United. It's completely unrelated. It makes no sense. It'd be like I'm celebrating cooking dinner. It's completely unrelated to how he's performed for United. Yeah, it was an advice to him. There's, there's some things that could be knocked and off the pitch that can as well. I don't, I don't know how true they were. I don't know the context of it. One from Greece where he was arrested. Um, apparently his, his barbell was something like 63 grand or something. That doesn't really turn me off as well. Um, then after the Waterford debacle, he, he apparently was out clubbing in Sheffield. Now, I heard it might have been his father's birthday or something. So don't know the context of it, but again, it's not really a great look after another embarrassment. It's just, it's not a captain's look. You want that guy to be your leader, your example. You look at Ronaldo, the guy's what, 30, 36, 38, what, what age is Ronaldo? And he's still in prime condition and performing at a top level. You don't want to look at your captain and go, I have a 28 year old Harry Maguire here who already looks like he's declining. An ability and never was a leader, really. You want to look at the guy that's a prime example of if you go, what does an athlete look like? You go, Ronaldo. Like, I, why would you not give it to him when he's right there? Yeah, yeah, it's just an obvious decision. You know, Ronaldo's captain of the Portugal team. Yeah. yeah. Who, who, do, who do kids look up to when they look at that United squad? Who the kids go, I want to be them when I'm older. Nobody goes Harry Maguire. Yeah, he's CR7. He's, he's, he's going to go down as one of the greatest players in history. Probably one of the greatest goal scorers in history, for sure. Yeah, Definitely. Probably in the, the top two uh, in terms of that. He's just been he's absolutely unbelievable. He's probably going to hold the... In fact, he already knows what we're talking about. He's the scored the most number of goals in international football history. Um, it's quite incredible, really. It's, it's Ronaldo's uh, an elite 
of all time. Like he's not just an elite for now or an elite for the last 10 years or an elite for the last 20 years. He is one of the best players of all time. Without a doubt. There's nobody can argue against that. Yeah, and, and his longevity only supports that theory as well. Um, okay. So we'll come on to the variants now. Um, Dom De Gea, um, it has to be an eight for me. Given I was going to say an eight as well. Yeah, I was literally thinking the same. Yeah, those, those three teams are particularly popular with respect to those teams. Yeah. Um, in, in campus, Nelly should give us the opportunity to win the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, one was Saka. Um, what did you think of him last night? I, I didn't even realise he was on the pitch for most of it, if I'm honest with you. Um, he didn't really do anything ridiculous. He didn't really do much um, incredible to enlighten. So like, I'd probably give him a six, to be fair, because he didn't do anything wrong, but he also didn't do anything amazing. Yeah, well, if he was a six every week, I would take that, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, who scored or given him a 7.2 um, which is interesting because I think that's probably well over what he deserves yeah it's, it's my opinion I suppose um, what about Harry uh, McGuire himself then what did you make of him last night uh, again I, I'd probably be stretching it with a 6 again he didn't do anything spectacular he didn't do anything brilliant but he also didn't really do too much wrong so probably like a 5 or a 6 Okay, um, what about um, Victor Lindelof last night? Um, I still think Lindelof's a better centre-half than Maguire, and I've said it since we signed Maguire. Um, so probably, I'd probably say six and a half, just to give it better than what I said for Maguire, because I think he is better. Yeah, to be honest, the last guest I had, no one said the same thing, and I can't argue with that. For me... Yeah, and yeah. Lindelof and Varane would probably be our strongest partnership, I think. In the long run, we'd probably be signing somebody else, because McGuire would be 80 men and McGuire was a mistake. And by he can't be replaced. Um, he'd be brilliant one day and then he slice one of his own at the next. Um, he can't stay fit. So I think we need to sign someone. Um, Jules Conde has been mentioned, so that could be a, a target. I think he's a target of Chelsea as well, so... There is a, he's, he's certainly one of the options and um, yeah because I don't think we can win the league with with either Lindelof or Maguire playing in centre back even if it's just one I, I, I think it's definitely viable if it's Lindelof and Varane um, I don't think Maguire and Lindelof would work though um, I think you could win the league with Lindelof at centre half though okay, but um, Maguire and Lindelof I mean we've seen enough of that partnership it's defined Solskjaer's time in charge and Norris will be a disaster um, so Alex Tellez um, came in last time his first appearance since the first game against Villarreal and he scored in that game and so I don't think he'll get his high score in this one um, defensively he's obviously weak and he gets you know, beaten far too easily but uh, on this crossing it can be brilliant and it can be woeful yeah, I don't think there's three decent crosses from play, but his corners, every single one of them were atrocious. Yeah, I can't I can't remember that. His average positioning is always sitting in around the halfway line or just before the halfway line. He plays almost like a left winger. And that always, always gets us caught. And the problem with that is that will be fine if he's a one option and then we have a defensive backup for him. 
but we don't because Lukshaw does exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, Lukshaw was playing last night, obviously, but there was a serious issue there. You know, like you pointed out before with his defending, not getting close enough to people, his positional play is good. It gives it a bit of his evident where he was, he was talking inside and just allowing people like Trent Alexander-Arnold and Nobby Keita to have a free shot on goal. Um, if, I think that his form has tailed off since the Euros. Could be complacency. Um, he maybe believes his own hype now that he scored in the Euros final. But yeah. his form just hasn't been good this season. But unfortunately, Alex Tellez is so weak defensively that he can't really deputise for him. No. Uh, it would be fine if Tellez was, say, 22, 23. You'd be like, all right, he's got a couple of years on his belt, but he's, what, 28, 29 now? Um, you're relying on Shaw to be the guy to step up and hit the prime in two years' time, not Talish. Yeah, I don't think him, Talish, is ever going to be the star, the starter at left back for Kennedy. He ever going to be a backup. And the new manager will obviously have to decide if he's going to stick with Shaw or he's going to bring somebody else in. Um, okay, we'll move on to uh, McFred now. I thought we'd seen the last one, but we haven't. Um, McTominay, again, I don't. He wasn't as bad as he was against Watford or, or as bad as it's been in recent weeks. But uh, again, it wasn't very impressive. There's times when he just gives the ball away, you know, needlessly, and it leads to the other the opposition having a shallow goal. And just isn't good enough on the ball to be my name midfielder. I think I think he's a I think he's a better passer than Fred, um, and he makes less mistakes than Fred. But I still, at the moment, would rather Fred on the team. I just It's a ridiculous statement to make. I just think McTominay is just off it at the moment. I think there's something, I don't know if it's something to do with the fact that he was injured and he's not come back strong enough or or what. He's just not himself at the moment at all. So what would you score him then for last night? Uh, again, like six-ish. Because again, he'd done nothing ridiculously wrong, but he didn't do anything spectacular. Okay, Fred, um, he made tackles that led to both goals. So, mm-hmm. what would you give him then? Seven, maybe? You have, you have to give Fred a seven, just for even the fact that he led to a goal. Like, that's literally the only reason. Yeah, um, I think Fred probably wasn't great for most of the game, but this contributions to the, to the goals you know, have to be noticed. Um, yeah, you have to give him a seven for that. Um, so, Donny van der Beek, like we talked about earlier, he had a great game playing in a deeper role against Watford in the second half, but unfortunately at number 10 last night when United weren't in possession an awful lot, he wasn't really in the game. He tried, he was putting himself about, I think he, he got a book in at one point, even though it was a bit harsh, but um, it's difficult to get You know, I didn't even realise he was booked. I watched the game last night and didn't realise he got booked. Yeah, it was in the first half, I think it was a tackle just on the edge of our, our box, and he, he jumped into the challenge. But his foot wasn't up high or anything, so the referee would just give him a yellow. But even then, I don't think there was a huge amount of contact. Um, but the European referees will always give for that. But it just it wasn't the performance we were looking for. But why would you change his position? You know, after he played so well the weekend, it might have just been let's try something different, and that might have been just it. You know, it, it could have literally just been, let's just give something a try. Yeah, so we'll just give him a six there. Yeah, yeah that's probably fair. The, the second half against Watford excites me. I want to see 
I want to see him. I want to see him sitting in around that box. I do want to see him attacking more. Maybe in that ten would work, but um, I think a Roman playmaker would be perfect for him. Somebody a destroyer behind him doing his dirty work would be just perfect because that's what happened with him um, at Ajax with Frankie Dion having that ability to just cover for him and let him do his thing. I, I think would work wonders. You see, unfortunately. Van, or Fernandez always has to be the most advanced midfielder. Um, he, when he talked about last night, you see, you see why he's never ever going to be banned from one on one game because yeah. the impact that he, he, he has and what he's capable of. Um, so let's come on to Ronaldo. Um, uh, scored again in here. Uh, fantastic. Um, he's so, so clinical. And now he's on 799 goals. So what would you give him then last night? It has to be an eight. It has to be an eight. Do you know, I'd say eight and a half. I feel like nine would be too much. I feel like eight's probably still not enough. So somewhere in the middle because he'd done all, a lot of our attacking duty on his own. He had a pass percentage of uh, 80% success rate. So you, you can't be bad with that. Yeah, and there was, some, there was a lovely pass that he got up to the side as well from Ronaldo. So, mm-hmm. Um, and nearly scored a second. Um, it was a difficult chance. Um, didn't quite squeeze it inside post, but can't fault them. Um, I think anyone anyone else gets that ball off that tackle from Fred, other than Ronaldo, it doesn't go in. I think only Ronaldo scores that. Yeah, his back to goal there, and he just was able to lob it perfectly over the keeper, and it didn't go in. The precision on it was immense. Um, okay, Jim Sancho, probably his best game in a shirt to date. This probably wouldn't be hard, but. Mm-hmm. It, it was promising. He, he showed good signs against Watford as well. Um, but last night was definitely a top performance and he capped it off for the goal. Yeah, I, I definitely at least give him an eight. He had the highest pass success rate out of any United player on the pitch um, with 93% that started, that is, because obviously the players come off the bench pretty late, so they don't, I'm not counting them. Um, his his dribbles as well. I think he was uh, the most tackles as well. I think I might be wrong. Um, yeah, he had, he had the most tackles out of any United player on the pitch last night with four. Um, so he's definitely got to be an eight, maybe eight and a half, because that goal was beautiful. Although I think he might have mishit it. Yeah, there was a start earlier that um, Sancho had the second most number of presses in the United team. Fred being the obvious one ahead of him, but only by one. So that tells you how he's running. It's, it's strange. I never thought of that of him. Um, but he had the most tackles in the United squad last night. Lindelof had two. Fred had two. Uh, Juan Basaka had two. Juan, uh, Van de Beek had one. And then Sancho had four. And another thing, in terms of tackles, one thing I really loved last night was when Rashford smashed Alberto Moreno uh, on the sideline. I, mean, I think good. After his antics with Ferrell won the Europa League, I think every Red fan really enjoyed that. Yes, I, every, I think everyone did. <laughs> um, yeah, he was he was in possession by himself and Rashford didn't see the opportunity to come up over to, to do him, um, So Anthony Martial, I, don't, I just don't know what to say anymore. Every, appear, every appearance he's had this season has been unjustifiable. And when he has played, he's been absolutely woeful. And I just don't see any point in persisting with him anymore. 
I think that we should just sell the Newcastle in January. I if Newcastle bid for him, just sell him. Like I think he was okay last night. Like he didn't do anything ridiculously bad. He didn't do anything ridiculously good. He had, I think, two dribbles with a ninety percent um, pass success rate, which is good on the surface of things, but nothing came of it. It didn't lead to anything, so it doesn't really matter. Like you can have sixteen dribbles on the edge of your own box and get it away and do nothing with it. It looks good on on a stat sheet, but it doesn't do anything. Um, and that, that's what Martial is full of is that his stats would look good because he's really good on the ball. He can really, like, he's got a decent pass on him, but he doesn't do anything with it. He'll just sort of pass it back to McTominay or pass it to Van der Beek and then let them do the work and then be like, right, I want the ball. I want to go on a wee run here. And then he'll run himself into danger, but he'll have run it past two players in the way. So it looks good on a highlight reel, but when it comes to the actual final bit of it, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, and then again, the fake pressing as well, where he, mm-hmm. he, he pressed one player... When that player passes it out to a teammate, it's a stop. You know, yeah, trying to make it look as if that he's working hard and he's not, and that really yeah. me as well. That's what you do when you're in like third year in school playing football, and the coach <laughs> is being like press more, and you're like, I'll run at this one guy, and you're like, that, that'll that'll do it. Yeah, that is not pressing. That is just a guy trying to make it look as if he's doing something. It's it's fourteen year old football stuff that like. Where you just charge at one guy and go, well, that's enough of me. Thank you. Okay, I never thought I would say this, but how do you rate manager Michael Carrick's uh, performance last night? I mean, he's just a B tech only on a social, aren't he? <laughs> um, oh, we've got to give Marcia a rating, so uh, definitely, definitely a five for me. Yeah, five or six. I think I don't think he done anything ridiculously wrong. Um, so Carrick got to see yeah. him. Again, a five or six. He didn't really do anything. He just sort of gave Sancho and Ronaldo freedom to do what they want, and then De Gea pulled them out. It's kind of there was no patterns of play. There was no real system, anything different to what Ollie was doing. But it's because it's the same coaching team. Nothing changed. It's just a different face. Yeah, um, he, he obviously set it up to keep it tight, not concede, and then bring. Rashford and Fernandez off the bench. It worked. But that is not going to be you know, a tactic going forward. I mean, we're playing at home to like so Arsenal or Brighton or whoever, Brentford. That's not going to be you know, a viable option in terms of you know the, 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 the tactic or the system. You know, we need that. You know, like we said earlier, it's just like a vintage. Probably going to Solskjaer win away from home. So nothing has really changed. Mm-hmm. All we really have is sack the guy at the top, but all the guys working for him are still there. Um, it was the equivalent of just changing the badge. Yeah. Nothing really changed. It's just a different face. That's all it is. The guys taking treatment sessions are still there. And all the leaks come out are that the players just don't take them too seriously anymore. No. See, McKenna is a bit of a school teacher with his approach. Um, Michael Carrick is so inexperienced. Anyway, as a coach and remind a manager, Mike Feeling does absolutely nothing. And so I don't see how this is you know, a good way going forward. It's okay maybe for one or two games, but we need to get a manager as quickly as possible. Um, we need we need a coach. We need a proper coach with a coaching system. A Ralph Rangnick, somebody like that would be perfect. Yeah, I want our next manager to be a coach, not someone who's going to come in and employ coaches. Ideally, a man who has his own philosophy. 
That's the, like Eric Ten Hag gets a lot of stick because he doesn't really do a lot of media facing stuff. And it's because he is more of a coach than a manager. Um, from what I've seen anyway. And I think a lot of people would rather that somebody who's going to come in with a philosophy, a, a system, because we've seen with Ollie that he's a man manager and then he relies on coaches to do the coaching. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to play it by air and see who it is. So it seems as if um, United are going to try and get Mauricio Positino as permanent manager. Um, if they can't get that done, I think that will largely depend on PSG's ability to convince Zidane to take over there. If they can't do that, then they won't release Pochettino. Then United will have to explore interim options. About thirty is because he, with the one being strongly linked at the moment, and um, the other interim options, obviously Reniac and yeah, and Rudy Garcia, and. Um, so, first of all, what are your thoughts on, on United you know, prioritising Pochettino as the long-term manager? I think it's fine. I, I do. I would rather somebody else, if I'm honest with you. I'd rather a Ten Hag, but um, Poch is a great option. Like He's not a bad coach at all. He's got a good system. He's got a good style of play. He, he, has, he has options that he can use. He has a five at the back that he tried at Spurs with a, with a shadow striker. Um, and an advanced playmaker and a, and a destroyer. Um, we've seen him do different styles, which is good, which under Ollie we did lack across the three and a bit years. Um, I, I wouldn't be against it if he joined. I just would rather Ten Hag, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I would go along with that. And I think 80% of the fan base would probably prefer Ten Hag to Pochettino. Um, Ten Hag is just such an exciting option. Um, he's, he's won so many trophies with Ajax um, and you would expect an Ajax manager to do that but I mean he's so uh, well regarded in German football as well I think he was the Bayern 2 manager for a couple of years um, he's been interviewed for the, the position as Bayern's coach um, on a couple of occasions I think they're definitely thinking of it in the future um, and if we don't get him then I think that's where he end up with the Bayern manager um, he plays such an exciting round of football um, in, in terms of Europe competitions is where you would mostly judge Dutch managers on um, he's got the Champions League semi-finals um, was, was, on the, was seconds away from a final and ironically it was Mauricio Pochettino who Spurs who uh, took that away from them with the last minute hat-trick from uh, Lucas Moira he got to the Europa League final was beaten by Mourinho's United in that I say beaten, I mean stifled is how they would describe it, um, with a very, very young Ajax team. Um, so that is a decent pedigree for an Ajax manager. When you consider that you put out Madrid and Juventus for, when they were very good, you put them out of the Champions League as well. I mean, in this season, you thrashed Dortmund home and away. So no wonder United fans really want him as the manager. He is very good. He won, he won the manager's manager of the year when yeah. he was at Utrecht. Um, before he joined Ajax and then he won it whilst that Ajax I think once maybe twice um, I'm convinced he won it last season and maybe the year before too he is just the more I look into his stats and what he's done and what he's doing it's just unbelievable I think the problem that we would have with him though is that he has a great system there he's got a good director of football he's got good directors around him that give him the ability to just go and coach I think the problem United is we might need a manager more than what we want. 
because the people that are in charge above him know what they're talking about when it comes to football. Whereas to us, it's bankers and nobody knows football. So it's kind of like we need our manager to manage the football side of things and get coaches to do the coaching side of things. Um, whilst at Ajax, it's people who know what they're doing. Yeah. We all want to see Van der Sar come with him. You know, we want to see Van der Sar come full stop to United. Yeah. But they're just not going to go down that road. The problem is the Glazers have a circle of trust and they don't like anyone above the manager. Coming inside that circle. That's why whenever Woodward does eventually step aside, whenever that is, it's going to be Richard Allen taking over. That's just the way it's going to be United under this ownership. But you've got John Murta there who has been there for years doing a job but under a different title. You've Darren Fletcher there now doing a job which he actually doesn't do anything. He just resorts to John Murtaugh to do it, who again has been there for years doing it, but behind the scenes and now just as a face of it. It doesn't, it just screams, let's do anything to keep people quiet. Same with the sacking of Oleg on our social. It was a, we don't really have a plan, but everyone wants him sacked. So let's sack him and then go, like, this is what you asked for. So deal with it. And that's what happened with John Murtaugh and uh, Darren Fletcher. They just went, you just want a director of football. Here's your nice, shiny director of football. What does he do? The same thing he's done for the last five years, but with a different name. Yeah, I have heard that he, that um, John Murta has been interviewing the interim managers by candidates, but um, he doesn't have any you know, real control of power. Um, let's not forget that Bonner Starr is the CEO of Ajax. For him to come to Man United and be just the football director, as they call it, it it would be a, it'd be a step down in terms of responsibility. Oh, okay, it'd be a step up in terms of the size of the club. But you know, as in terms of the money he's given, it would be a step down. Yeah, 100%. But I don't know about you, but if I get offered a job which was more money but less work, I'm taking that job. Yeah, well, I, I had Don Castles on the show last week and he said that Von Star has said on record that he's interested in coming to work for Man United. So, um, he's not expecting to be the CEO. He wants a, a job as the football director. So it, it's there if you now want it. Just pay him the money. Pay him the money. But they just, the Glazers just want to keep it in-house. They always seem to promote within the new. It's always about and usually those guys are bankers and accountants, unfortunately. And that's why you say that that's why the manager of the football team needs to be a manager, not a coach. Because Do you know who else done that when they owned a football club? Mike Ashley. Just saying. Just like I'm just putting that out there. We're we're just a bigger Newcastle in terms of ownership. That's that's all it is. I don't know. We said that about QPR when they get bought out, so who knows? They might not put the money into it. Yes, but the Newcastle owners are richer than Man City owners. That's true, but they also hired Eddie Howe as a manager. So how progressive are they really thinking? I think he's, he's okay, um, and he wasn't their first choice. Um, they'll probably he'll be the marquee of this operation once they get into being a, a team that's challenging for the Champions League. They'll, they'll replace him with a, 
necessarily say a coach with a sexier name from Europe somewhere. Francesca. It's so weird. He's been linked everywhere else and not anywhere near us. And I'm like, you know, he's there. Has everyone forgot about him? Half like, the names like Favre and stuff. I'm just like, eh. so, whatever. Like, our ten obviously not going to come to the club in November. That's that's fine. The only way he would come is if we do your point in interim, and we decide not to keep on. And so, it, and I think in the, in the summer, I think Positino, assuming Positino doesn't come in now, Positino is probably the first choice in the summer, and then Ten Hag will be second choice even though the fans would have it the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's assume the Pasadena doesn't come in now. Who would you, out of all the interims that have been linked, would you say that Valverde would be your favourite option? So here's where it's weird. My favourite option would be Ralph Rangnick, but the weird thing about it is, and this is where it gets kind of tricky in terms of where the logic behind it is, Valverde would be the better option because his style of football is a lot closer to Pochettino's and a lot closer to Ten Hag's. Um, they both play that vertical tiki-taka in, in, in the same way that Valverde does. Um, whilst if you appoint uh, Ralph Rangnick, he's going to gag and press in a four um, attacking 4-4-2 or 4 triple 2 um, whatever you want to call it, which is going to be a different system entirely to what Valverde, Ten Hag and Pochettino play. Pochettino plays a 4-2-3-1, or a variation of a 4-3-3 with a shadow striker. Um, Ten Hag plays a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 variation um, with an advanced playmaker or a Mazala, whatever you want to call it, um, with an inside forward coming off the left, which is the same as what Pochettino plays with an inside forward coming off the left. He just plays with a shadow striker and a playmaker um, on the right. They just play slightly different uh, roles. Um, And then Valverde is somewhere very similar again. Like Ralph Reinick would be my preferred option because I think he'd do a better job right now, like immediately just off the bat, just straight into it. But I think Valverde, in terms of transitioning into the possibility of a new coach, would make the most sense. Yeah, I understand see what you're saying. I've heard that point being made already today, that if you're preparing for Pochettino taking over, you have to appoint an interim manager who has a similar style of football. Yeah. There's, there's no point going to somebody who's going to completely switch the system. It, it's the same as going from Van Gaal to Mourinho, made sense, two defensive style coaches, and then going to Ollie, who's going to counter-attack. Um, you're completely switching the system, means you need to buy an entirely new set of players. Your coaches are going to have to teach the players how to do an entirely new system. There's a learning curve then. Like, If you want to do it, the, this season's kind of like a dud season, and you're just prepping for the new coach, Valverde makes the most sense because it means that your players won't have a huge adjustment period in the summer as well as now. It'll be an adjustment period now. And then when it comes to Pochettino, it'll be kind of like, okay, right, I see what the differences are here a little bit in terms of specific players rather than an entirely new system. Well, I hope that John is able to explain this in a way that he might understand well, I mean, I've just done it. You can just clip me saying it there now and send it to him, and hopefully that might make sense. It might not, because I have to remember he's back end. What I'll do is I'll try and simplify it down with crayons or something. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to figure it out. Um, yeah, we have to appoint uh, uh, an interim manager with a view to the permanent manager. 
if indeed we're not appointing on the money right now. Um, Raniac would make sense if we're bringing in Klopp or Tuchel in the summer, wouldn't he? Yeah, it would make sense. I really like Raniac as a coach. I think he's great. Um, I think his, his system is unbelievable. He inspired uh, people like Klopp in management, but in terms of going forward, it doesn't make any sense unless you do plan on going, right, we'll give you interim manager until the end of the season, and then you're our director of football because then you have a system in place. But we're relying on Woodward to have a system. So it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, next time I have you on the show, no doubt we will have either manager or interim manager. Yes, I, think, I don't think Michael Carrick would, would be in the road. So I look forward to our chat probably at some stage in December. And it's been Hopefully. I did have you on. Yes, it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure talking a lot of nonsense and slagging off everyone that I can in that United squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see you later. Yes, good luck.